Welcome to Genia Conversations Redefining Healthcare. I'm your host, Andrea Durkin. My guest is Dr. Jay Bott. He's a practicing primary care doctor and a geriatrician. He's also the chief clinical product officer and medical director of the Medical Home Network and a contributor to ABC News. In part two of our conversation, Dr. Bott and I discuss AI and how technology can help address some of the healthcare challenges made more obvious by the pandemic. If you enjoy our conversation, follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Let's jump right in. Well, let's transition to technology. And I wonder if we could talk about the technology needs of the future and AI. And I know, you know, AI has been used quite a bit in the pandemic. If, you know, one use case is identifying patients who are at higher risk of hospitalization or severe outcomes if they get COVID. I wonder what happens once a high-risk patient is identified. Yeah, I think that we're seeing um, really incredible approaches of using AI. You know, it's largely been used in other sectors, but coming in into its own in healthcare, and that's great to see, but there's more work to be done. In my own organization that I work at, Medical Home Network, a Chicago-based healthcare organization uh, that's got 160,000 Medicaid lives and also Medicare lives and working with the safety net in Chicago. And we really worked on using predictive analytics to create a risk screening approach to identify Medicaid patients who are most at risk from COVID-19. And you know, once uh, we were able to develop that risk model using AI and, the, and combined our data with the vulnerability index for COVID-19, you know, we use that in combination with medical home networks, patient demographics, social needs data, health risk assessment data, claims data, and clinical activity to prioritize care management outreach to patients who are likely to have a heightened vulnerability to severe complications from COVID. You know, we, with our care management and transitions of care team, were to proactively outreach to members and make sure that they had the right support they needed at the current moment at home, in the community, in a facility, or in the hospital. We also want to identify those people that are socially isolated or people without nearby friends or family. So the care teams uh, that we had could correctly educate and offer assistance to people with respect to COVID-19. But we uh, contacted them with our care management teams uh, who were employed by primary care practices in communities across Cook County and built trusted relationships with patients and then helped them address some of the needs that had surfaced in those conversations as well. How do you see AI being used by your organization post-pandemic? I think there's a lot of different ways. I think one, continue to enhance the approach that we have used with respect to risk assessment and proactively identifying people at risk. But also COVID-19 has, for vulnerable populations, and I think you know, certainly for those that are older adults, impacted their physical, cognitive, and social environment and capacity. And so we might think that there may be people who are okay in their current level of care, but uh, what AI will help us do is identify those that likely are not okay in their current level of care and need a higher level of care and proactively you know, reach out to them. We're also thinking about its use related to, to conditions. You know, can we predict falls and deterioration? You know, there's automation uh, that we could use on critical business functions and whether it's prescription and high-risk interactions or refills or insights, you know, that's what we use it. Chatbots to engage with various communities, uh, but also virtual and digital health in terms of surveillance. And then we could use it, you know, to communicate and educate uh, because you're helping identify things uh, that people typically might ask questions about or are interested in. 
uh, through AI. And I think the two other issues I'd point out is we got to think about the challenges that vulnerable populations have. One, that broadband and internet activity is not available everywhere. And even my patients, you know, some of them I've talked to have told me that they might not use their data plan because they don't have an unlimited data plan sometimes and they might not use it to use digital health tools or make you know that next app the thing that they go back to and use consistently. It has to really be a value meaningful to them. The other thing I'd say is algorithmic bias. When we use AI, we've got to pay very close attention to algorithmic bias because we've seen it have unintended consequences and impact decisions in a, in a negative way. And so you might consider testing your AI model or algorithm among a small kind of group of diverse patients or settings or circumstances to understand, you know, what's happening. And then, you know, we're using also voice recognition technology and uh, natural language processing really to uh, engage and have conversations with folks that might not have someone at home or might not have someone to turn to call. And, and this way it can help people uh, get information and make decisions and take action. Well, I know you've talked about data liquidity and data wrangling. Can you say more about that? You know, one of the challenges that we have is that we can't access the information we need when we need it in the place we need it. And as a result, we're duplicating actions, tests. We're not identifying uh, particular issues, clinical concerns, maybe early enough or following up because uh, we don't have the information in a timely manner. Being able to have liquidity of data and accessing it across a spectrum and being able to move it around uh, in different environments is going to be really important. I think there there is also an issue around, you know, the idea that there are challenges accessing and using the application programming interfaces necessary to write applications for the various EHR platforms. You know, we're seeing software as a medical device going through the FDA that may help data liquidity and data wrangling, but that's another uh, thing that has to be considered in evaluating those applications. Um, the consumer facing apps for the smartphone may have access to, to the APIs necessary to enable their product to work, but you know some of them may not. And those applications that need to intersect with the EHR can be more challenging. And with different EHRs having information move from one place to another, quite frankly, you know we're still using faxes in our offices to exchange information and to make decisions and to communicate and confirm certain information. That's just not okay in this day and age. I know that there are going to be a few places around the country where there isn't that ability to, to have that integration, but other industries have figured it out. There remains a data access problem that still needs to be overcome. I mean, whether it be claims data, EHR data, public data, we've seen that place really explode. You know, how people are using public data to either drive predictive models or incorporate and integrate with other data they may have. Uh, but that still doesn't harness the data that's needed for care delivery, care redesign, uh, for proactive actions, for care management, care coordination, you know, that improve patient care and efficiency and take costs out of the system. And I think the other issue with data is that there's a disaggregation problem. I mean, there's data aggregated for certain segments of the population, for certain races and ethnicities, uh, and certain data not even accurate or collected for those populations. 
that make it really hard to understand what's happening and take action. And we're see, seeing some of this, you know, play out around testing and vaccinations and COVID. It's illuminated, I think, what needs to be done. So I think, you know, it'll take regulatory authority. It'll take you know, rules that are flexible from the Office of the National Coordinator. It will take investments and it will take trying to think about a more streamlined process, you know, for helping achieve data liquidity and bring data together uh, and then use that to make predictions uh, that are uh, helpful to better, safer, smarter care. Other than the predictions, how do you see all of this innovation ultimately benefiting patients? I hope that the innovations we see in the field lead to higher quality care, more affordable care, so less out-of-pocket costs for uh, the public and more effective care that's equitable and just and that we've made it easier for patients to do the right thing. We've made it easier for them to understand what their current state of health is and what they need to do to, to get better and to also understand what's happening to them. I hope that it also brings together the intersection of compassion, empathy, innovation, and connection uh, so that patients and families are closer with their care teams rather than separated by typing on a keyboard or by um, focusing on the electronic health record. I think that if we're gonna build trust and trust is I think a critical part of delivering the best care possible and helping people achieve better health, then we've gotta, I think, do better in terms of how we deliver the care, how we uh, do it efficiently and how we do it in a, in a value-based care environment. And I think there are a lot of bright spots to scale, to pull from, to learn from, to make things better and really realize uh, a health and healthcare system that we can be proud of. I hope you'll think about coming back and talking to us maybe a year or two after the pandemic's over, because I think a lot of what you talked about, I hope will bear fruit in the years ahead. Thanks so much for having me. I just uh, really appreciated uh, being in conversation. Jbot, and to you for joining us. If you enjoyed our discussion and want to hear more like it, subscribe to Genia Conversations on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The views, information, or opinions expressed by the guests of Genia Conversations Redefining Healthcare are their own and do not necessarily represent the policy or position of Genia LLC. Many thanks for listening.